Welcome to the Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. Thank you for your service. Welcome back, everybody. Ah, oh, it's great to have you back on this fine, fine Monday. Hope your week is starting off all right. Hope you got up on the right side of the bed and you're ready to kick some ass this week. Not like there's anything important happening this week. Oh, wait, that's right. Tomorrow is Election Day. And whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, or if you're like me and you think both of them are out to screw you, it is important that we get out there and we exercise our right to vote. I'm a big proponent of that. I hope you do it. Uh, Listen, it's a personal choice. Whether you do or you don't, I'm not going to tell you what to do. My personal belief is you should be out there and... Uh, you know, let your voice be heard to the extent that it can be. Um, the other thing that I want to say about that is, is I really hope that everybody lets cooler heads prevail as this process works its way through. And we don't get all crazy with the riots or attacking each other or verbally bashing each other on social media um, because of how this thing plays out. Um, again, the way that I generally feel about these things is, is that both of those sides don't really care about you. Um, they want to be in power. So whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats, they have proven time and time again that they really don't care about the average American. They care about their own wealth and their own power. Uh, You can agree or disagree with me on that one, but I think that their records show that that is the case. Um, And I hope that we don't allow them to tear us apart so much that this becomes some type of violent um, reaction after the election, whether Trump wins or Biden wins. Um, I'm really hoping that everybody stays calm. Even if there is no uh, result, everybody stay calm, let the process work its way through, and we will deal with however it turns out afterward. America has been through much, much worse than either Trump or Biden. So we will prevail through this as well. Um, but get out there, let your voice be heard. Okay. Um, you know, there's going to be long lines. You're going to have the COVID situation. There's a lot of things standing in the way of voting on election day. Many of you may have already voted. Um, you know, uh, I know here in New York, uh, uh, advanced voting has been open for quite some time, uh, over a week now. Um, and there's also the mail-in. So, you know, we've had opportunities to get out there ahead of time, and some of you have done that. If you haven't and you're going to go to the polling place on uh, on Tuesday, uh, tomorrow, be civil to each other. People are going to be on edge the between the COVID and the long lines and the amount of people that probably will be voting. Let's not get uncivil. Let's let's make sure that this is done in the proper manner that allows for people to exercise this right. Um And listen, if you see something weird going on at a polling station, make sure you say something, okay? Don't allow weird things to happen in front of you without saying something, um, because then you're just as guilty as the people doing the stupid stuff. So please, watch out for each other. Watch out for your family during all of this. Um, 
you know, again, I'm hoping that this all kind of happens and it's peaceful and there's no issues. But if things get a little crazy, look after your family, look after your neighbors, okay? Because those are the people that are really there for you. Um, and and those are the ones that really need your attention when things kind of get crazy. Um, that's really all I have to say about the election. I don't want to get too, too much into it because, like I said, I have my own opinions. I have my own political opinions. I'm a little bit of a political junkie, so I really follow it. But um, again, I have very strong opinions about who actually cares about the average American in this country. And I'm telling you right now, I don't believe that it's anybody in Washington. Um, you know, uh, and again, it's it's unfortunate. But this is where we are. This is what we got. So let's go out. Let's do it. Keep it civil. Keep it peaceful. And let's move on. Um, we finished up the Toxic Trudge 5K. Um, that The last day to do it was yesterday. I'm sorry, no, Saturday. And uh, thank you for everybody that supported. Um, you know, this was my first venture into co-hosting a race. Um, I want to thank the Stronghold Freedom Foundation for allowing me to be a part of this. I hope we raise some money for them. I haven't heard the final tallies of the amount of people that did it, but I really hope that um, we did a good job of raising awareness and funds for that organization. And again, for anybody, any of the listeners out there that ran, walked, spread the word, got it out there, shared on Facebook, shared on Instagram. Um, thank you. Uh, personally, I, I, I want to give you that. Thanks. Um, also this weekend, I went out and ran, uh, a portion of the Suffolk County marathon. It is the, um, Second to last race in the Suffolk County Veteran Run Series. We got one more to go, folks. Um, I'll have done all nine uh, as long as I do the next one, which is in uh, about a week and a half. Um, But uh, this weekend, you had to finish up the Suffolk County Marathon. Now, due to my own health issues, I didn't do the marathon. I really wanted to this year, and I wanted to at least do a half, but I couldn't. But I did do the 10K. Super happy with my time, super happy with my effort. Uh, It's a longer distance for me than I normally run. And, you know, making sure that my heart was okay uh, through it and watching my uh, heart rate, uh, you know, I really was very happy with how I I performed. Um, My time was definitely uh, better than I thought it was going to be. And it definitely gave me the... um, the drive to finish that marathon next year. So, um, you know, as we go into 2021, that Suffolk County, uh, marathon is on my, uh, my marker. I'm going to be, uh, looking to complete that. So that that's going to be kind of what I'm training up to, uh, for next October. Uh, no more runs except for there's one more, uh, Suffolk County veteran run series race, uh, coming up. It's November 7th. I believe it starts, um, go to their website, check it out. Uh, it's, uh, another virtual run. So uh, you go to Suffolk County, uh, veteran run series. They have the link to click on it and you go over to the race. It's the last one. And if you're like me and you've done pretty much all of them, finish it up strong. Get out there and let's do these runs and support these organizations. Um, I'd really like to see everybody get their coin for completing the Suffolk County Veteran Run Series. I think you have to do seven of the nine. So if you're right on the cusp, if you got six, make sure you head over to the website and sign up for that last race. Um, outside of that, 
not a whole lot going on besides. Uh, we're going to be in a little bit of a lull. There's not going to be really any races uh, after that. I'm working on another race that I'm hoping to do during the winter uh, to host, uh, so there'll be more details to come on that. Uh, we are still working on the website. We're still working on you know other avenues of, of getting information out to you guys, blogs, stuff like that. So there'll be more to come. Um, but uh, we are still trugging along with... Uh, with interviews. And this week is no different. Um, really happy with our guest. We're going to be talking all things money. Uh, something that I was never good with, but, um, this gentleman is really giving an alternative way to look at your money and how you use your money and how you prepare for your entire life. Um, I think you're really going to want to listen to this one, especially if you're a little nervous about all the COVID and the stock market after the election and all that kind of stuff. This guy has some alternative ways to secure your wealth for the long term. So that's what he's looking at. He's looking for sustained wealth throughout your life, not just, hey, I'm putting money aside for when I'm 60, but I haven't done anything enjoyable from now until I'm 60. So what the hell happened? Um, so again, you're really going to enjoy this uh, interview, especially if you are looking at money, you know, and if you're looking at how you're uh, saving and how you're using your money. So uh, again, uh, I'm excited to have this gentleman on the show. So as always, um, if you want more show information or if you want to see everything that we're doing, uh, you know, head over to Instagram, follow us there. Uh, like the Facebook page, Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. The Instagram is Bulletproof Veteran. Head over to the website, BulletproofVeteran.com. Always going to have stuff on there. So please head on over to that, blogs, stuff like that. That's all going to be there, especially as we're rolling some of this stuff out out. Um, if you need to get in touch with the show, you can always email me bulletproofveteran at gmail.com show ideas. Uh, you know, if there's an interview you want to hear, if you have criticism, do that, please leave reviews on your favorite podcast providers, uh, subscribe, all that stuff. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, bulletproof veteran podcast. You know, all these things help promote the show. I, can't thank you enough for the people that have been supporting us from day one um, and everybody who follows or likes or uh, jumps on the podcast provider and leaves a little review, uh, gives a five star, whatever the case may be, that moves us up the charts. And then when I go to get interviews, people see that and they say, hey, I do want to do the interview on that show. Um, and we get good quality guests for you guys with great information. So please continue to do that. I really appreciate it. Um, as always, you can go over to uh, strikeforceenergy.com. Use promo code BULLETPROOF. That gets you 20% off of their awesome, awesome energy drink. No crash. Awesome amounts of energy if you're exercising, if you just need a little get-up-to-go in the morning and you just don't want to have coffee and you want to try something else, please try them out. they got a four-pack that you can get as like a sample. You do all their flavors. Uh, again, orange is my jam. I love that stuff. So please go over there. Use the coupon code BULLETPROOF, 20% off. Um, I think that's all I got to say to you, and uh, I'm really excited about this interview, so I don't want to take too much away from it. Let's get right into it and uh, get to this week's interview.
All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. We have a real important one for you today because we're going to be talking all things money. And if you know me, you know I suck at this, so I had to get an expert on. Um, We got today Scott Tucker. He is the founder of U.S. Vet Wealth. He's a West Point grad, an Army veteran. He's an author, a podcast host. And he's got a whole bunch of knowledge for us. And what he's really trying to do is change how we plan with our money. So, you know, don't call him a financial planner because he's trying to change that idea and really teach people what to do with their money, not just how to save their money. So, Scott, how are you doing? Hey, Jason. I'm doing great. Um, all things considered these days. But uh, it's great to uh, be on and chatting with you. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's definitely good to be on with you. And uh, I agree. There's a lot going on. I actually, it's funny that we're having this conversation this week. Uh, you know, I've been checking the market to see what to do with my TSP, you know, and everybody at work has been going back and forth with whether to pull and go into the G fund and all that kind of stuff because of the election. And we were talking back and forth with a buddy of mine and trying to make that, you know, there's the tinkerers and there's the guys that leave everything alone. So it's kind of funny that we're going to talk a little money today. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I, you know, I've come to believe that all of that's a fool's errand. I mean, yes. Does anybody know? Does, no, you don't. How, how can we possibly know? It's all this, you know, going back and forth, even with experts, let alone just the guy in the office. Uh, it's, it's kind of shocking, you know, considering that, Nobody saw the flu coming in out of nowhere to shut down our whole whole society. Now, of course, and how that and and then how the markets, you know, didn't, you know, how the economy didn't collapse. Like, this is weird. (laughs) You know, it's so it's like, how much control do we want to give over to, you know, with most of our assets to what's quite frankly, randomness. And, And that's that's totally how I have felt over the years. I. I think of myself as a financial dummy. Mm-hmm. So I have never been good with money. I am a spender by nature. Um, I'm impulsive with my money. Um, I have gotten better as I've gotten older. My wife has curtailed a lot of that because now I have to explain to her, yes, that Amazon bill was me. Um, you know, I I did need that for my shop or whatever the case may be. Um so, you know, and now that I have a daughter, I'm now w- more worried about, okay, what am I doing with her than I am with buying random toys for myself? Um, <laughs> but I think I fall into the category of a lot of veterans because I think veterans are very impulsive with their spendings, especially the time that they were in the service. I mean, how how old is the story of the guy who gets out of basic training, gets his signing bonus, and his enlistment bonus and literally buys a $50,000 truck. Right. Or the Ford Mustang. We all, we all or the know Mustang. the guys with the Mustangs, right? I mean, it's a joke that goes on and on and on. Or the guy that goes out, gets his paycheck. He's at the bar literally on the first and there's no money left on the second. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know about this. Um, but I don't know that there's, if, if you're just trying to save, you're never going to change that mindset. Yeah, that's that's kind of where, where I had my epiphany um, a little bit after having been in the industry. And I know we can probably get into more detail of that a little later. Yep. But yep. You know, more specifically, I was about three years ago, I was at a kind of private conference at one of the big 
you know, military focused financial firms. And they had invited all the top you know, bloggers and podcasters and, and financial people in that space to, you know, talk about all things military money and how are we going to help everybody save better? And, and they put up a slide saying that, you know, over a third of the members of the military are, report living paycheck to paycheck. And it's probably worse than that. People getting out of the military, tip, you know, over half have like less than $5,000 to their name. And, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. We got to fix this. And then they just hit next slide. And it's always about, you know, more education, how to save, you know, here's how you use the VA loan. Here's how you use credit cards. Here's And of course, we need to know all that. I think the sad thing is in America, it's like, how do you get to a, be an adult and you don't already have a general education on that. I didn't. I got through West Point was oblivious on, right. on how this stuff worked. And what I came to find is, yes, there's some people who will label themselves like you. Oh, I'm just bad with money, you know, whatever. And it, or, and, you know, that, but there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because there's a time when you have your you know, epiphany of you know, how you want to relate to money. And so, yes, educating people, yeah, don't go buy a car. That's stupid. You're kind of getting ripped off. Um, you know, that, that's important, too. But what I, I've noticed is the, you know, it's nobody wants to fix stuff. You're always going to people like, oh, you need to, you know, that's the problem with most businesses. They're always trying to, you're doing this wrong. Work with us. We will fix it. And people don't like to be told to fix things. It's, it's just not motivating. And there's there's some people who you know, we'll be very, very disciplined and do the right things, eat healthy every day, exercise every day, save money the right way. But most don't, because like you said, we're human, right. we're impulsive. We have Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and most of those needs are, are pretty well met. And so to be more specific on, you know, how you want to, you know, motivate yourself to, to actually do something with your money or have a better relationship with it, I kind of noticed that Everything was either about, you know, doing the American dream of saving for retirement, saving to buy a house. And it's like, you're kind of supposed to do that. And, and what I noticed is it's the trend. It's at the transition. It's at that moment you're going to be leaving the military that we look at that as a as a financial fear. Like, oh, my gosh, I got to go get a job. Whereas if we look at that as the opportunity to actually you know, have full choice. Finally, with with your life after service, after willingly, you know, raising that right hand, saying, I don't want to serve my country. You know, thank you for your service, all the above. But at that moment of transition, do you, you know, there's your opportunity to go. I want to take these skills, all this pretty good pay and benefits I got the pats on the back. I will get as a veteran in America, you know, in, in, in this day and age that, that unfortunately didn't exist for for many of the veterans for a while there. No, definitely. And and use it to your advantage. And so I think if we start thinking financially about that moment, that opportunity, and it's not an overnight thing, it's, it's a process, but, but now instead of just, oh my gosh, I got to save money on my thrift savings plan and maybe I'll get to use it when I'm 60, I'm 25. Like, of course, there's no motivation to save money and we want to go after the shiny thing. But if we can turn the mindset to make the shiny thing being, hey, do, do you know how you can actually, do you know you can start a business on your phone? And get extra income that way. You know, that's what we really need to be focused on is income, not jobs. Nothing wrong with getting a job. But if a job is a one source of income, that means you only have one client. If anything happens in that relationship, it all goes up in smoke. You know, the responsibility of the individual, if you want to really protect your family around money, financial, we need to 
leverage this modern day and age with the internet and you know create other sources of income you know maybe that means something like starting a business maybe that means real estate you know maybe that means you know just helping out other businesses um promote their stuff and and maybe they pay you for it i mean there's lots of different ways out there and i'm just trying to you know let people know it's not just about stocks and bonds anymore well and there's also that freedom of coming up with an idea of something that you want to do for the next 30 mm. or 40 years not just I have a job. I'm able to save five percent or six percent, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have that when I'm sixty, like you said. Mm-hmm. You're talking about making sure when you get out, what's your goal? What's your what do you want? I mean, that's really what all of this is about, you know. And then how can we get that and make that a reality? So you know, like you said, real quick, there, there's so many more opportunities now to do kind of more of what. My father would say, that's completely insane. Yeah. If I told my father that you could go on YouTube right now and start up a little channel where you showed people how to make pasta, Mm -hmm. and there's a possibility that you could make money doing that, he would laugh at me. He literally would laugh. He'd be like, that's the dumbest thing. You're wasting your time. Why would you do that? But there's thousands of people out there that are doing it right now. And some of them are making tremendous amounts of money i agreed yeah but they didn't do it overnight like they built a skill set they built you know they positioned themselves in i was listening to scott adams yesterday he's a guy who who um uh, does the dilbert cartoons yes and uh he's got a youtube channel not huge but he he he's he's actually a trained hypnotist and talks about influence or persuasion and he talks about what's going on in the world and he's like see how this is manipulating you and he, he kind of lays back the curtain it's a very interesting show and he was talking yesterday about how he started it because he doesn't have high production he doesn't have high audio or video or anything like that he was just saying i'm i'm building my skill set in this whole new environment i you know he's in his 60s he'd never done anything like this before but he wanted to start talking so a few years ago the first thing he did was just you know, hit record on his phone and then he kind of you know got a microphone and, and he started to learn how to work the YouTube algorithm and stuff like that. And these are things that everybody can learn on a weekend and then build on it over time as you're continuing to testing. But the, the key thing he said is, yeah, you got to get lucky, but you can create that luck and that luck exists by putting yourself where the activity is, where the new things is. It's like if you go to college in a small town, in a small community, and you get out of college and you try to get a job in that community, ain't going to be much luck. But if you move to a bigger city, bigger population, now you can position yourself to maybe stumble into an opportunity that's better going to align with your skill set and kind of what you want to do. And I just found that fascinating because he's just like, hey, the activity right now, especially in this day and age, is video streaming and podcasting. And the fact that anybody can do it for free, it's, I, I feel, you got to feel compelled to like, hey, this is where things are going. I better learn these skills instead of saying what I get so often from veterans. I, you know, I don't want to know what I, when I do when I grow up. I haven't figured out how to translate my military skills to my civilian skills. It's like, you know, they always talk about that whole translation things. Guess what? They don't translate very often. Most of the time, no. Most career (laughs) fields are not going to transition. If you're not going directly into exactly what you did in the military, you have to mold your skill that you learned in the military to fit into what you want to do. 
And that might be not using what you learned, but maybe, hey, you know, I, I was a communications guy and I ran telephone lines and cables and stuff like that. Well, I kind of know about signals. Well, you know, maybe I could transition that into learning a little bit about audio for a podcast or something like that. It's not what you did in the military, but it you use that skill as a base. It doesn't have to be the end all, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the main question we always, always got to ask ourselves, you know, we're so used to following orders. And then especially we go through the transition program and, and their job is to help you do that translate onto the resume thing. And nobody ever asks, did you like what you did in the military? I mean, I know you signed up to serve. You didn't really probably have a whole lot of choice. I mean, I was a language major at West Point. I desperately wanted to be a foreign area officer, but I had to choose a branch and I ended up at air defense. And, and, and there was to become a foreign area officer, I had to go through all these hoops. I had to go take command first and all that. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't think I'll be a good commander. What I will be is a good ambassador, you know, or, you know, a foreign ambassador for America, because I, I love language. I love culture. I love you know, talking about the American way of life. But no, you can't do that unless you do all these other things first. And, you know, that's frustrating. And I know it is for a lot of people. And they kind of get in this, you know, weird bubble of, you know, not knowing what to do when somebody isn't telling them what they're supposed to be doing. And I think I think that's a really interesting uh, idea that you just said. Did you like what you did? Because I know my time in the military. Now, I was enlisted. I would have to say probably at least 50% of my shop, probably more, complained every day about their job. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's honest right there. Well, it, it's, it's like we, we laugh about it because we know, which, we know it to be true. We, we, we're always complaining about life in the military. And it's funny how when we get out, so many of us say, man, I kind of wish I was back in. Well, you know, yeah. for that. So it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. I mean, and I'm not saying there's any right answer. I just think, hey, in this day and age, you know, we're coming out of the military in a very unique time. I mean, this is a, a revolutionary period of time when it comes to you know, the, the Industrial Revolution. I mean, to have you know, things like we take these iPhones for granted. It's like, hold on, we're only 10 years into this thing. Like this is, this is a game changer and we can be on the forefront of it. And, you know, given the way communication and stuff's going right now, my goal is to get more veterans, you know, building those skill sets so they can have a voice and we can get more of us standing up instead of being stuck in a cubicle because I fear for what's going on to our country. If it's like we signed up to defend it, you know, we obviously love it. We should not just get a job to survive. Some of us have a duty or responsibility to, you know, leverage these new technologies to have a voice and to help network together better. And I think that's happening, uh, obviously, with your podcast right here. I mean, congratulations yeah. to you. Thank you. Yes. But I and, I and I agree completely. I was listening to another podcast uh, earlier today and they were talking about how that iPhone that you just brought up has more power in it than any film equipment that the early directors and filmmakers had. Yeah. I mean, it's by, by leaps and bounds. So when somebody turns around and says, I can't do this because I don't have enough equipment. I have to buy more equipment. I don't have the money to buy equipment. Hold on, pump the brakes. You have an iPhone. Mm -hmm. You could start videoing at very high quality right now. 
with minimal additional equipment for that iPhone. So don't already defeat yourself because you don't have money to get started. Yeah, that and what I often hear is I'm I'm not good at that. I bumble around on the computer and all that. And it, I, I, I say, I hear you. You know, it's like I almost want to tell my mom, mom, you've had a computer for 20 years. I, I you know, when, when Chrome disappears on, on your lap, on your laptop, you know, you got to know you just got to go to the applications and find it there. But, you know, it, but for us as veterans, we don't have the luxury to just be eh, I'm just not good at that. I'm not bad at computers. It's like, sorry, but technology always wins. We know that with warfare, right? We don't fight today's wars with yesterday's weapons. So if we're not doing what it takes um, to, to learn these skill sets, we're, you're going to get left behind. And yeah. that happens in any industry. I mean, what's going to happen with the truck driving industry when auto- autonomous vehicles you know, come about? Are these people building new skill sets? No, they're going to fight for their jobs as, as they should. But it's reality is technology will win at some point. I don't know if it'll be. Soon or not, but things are moving quicker than ever. That's the other thing that scares me. It's not like these are these changes are happening over decades like they used to. It's you know almost on a monthly basis. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, you you see the stuff that like Elon Musk is putting out. You know, he's got something new happening every week. It's 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 crazy. You know what I mean? Right. He makes an announcement. I. Maybe every week is a little uh, crazy, but at least once a month, that guy is announcing something that's what I would consider revolutionary. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's in space, whether it's with autonomous vehicles, whether he's building a flamethrower just because he was bored. Um, <laughs> you know, but like you said, it's moving at a very rapid pace, and there's money to be made in all of this. Mm-hmm. And if you're in it, and if you're going with that flow, you're going to set yourself up for continued success for the rest of your life. Or you could get left behind and still just try to scrape by and save 5% until you're 60. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, that's what I'm glad you brought that up. Cause it's like, you know, what is money? Uh-huh. We think of it as a paycheck and a salary. And I made this much in the army. Therefore I should be looking for a job to make about this much after the army or after the military. And, and I'll be good. That's totally how I thought. Like once I you know, made my first job out of the military, once I, I, I didn't make any money in my first couple of years, but when, once I started making a little bit more money than I made when I was active duty, I was like, ah, I'm good. I, I, you know, I just stopped. I literally stopped because I was self-employed. I would stop working. I would go travel. I had no motivation around money. And, and I think that fixation with the, the fixed income salary mindset is what needs to to change um, in our mindset because the reality is there are trillions of dollars which we can't even fathom how big that number is. Yeah, it's and just it's a just, huge number. It's just floating around through the through the Ethernet, through the air, through Wi-Fi. People are grabbing it. Uh, you know that's what they've learned. They've learned to tap into that resource, and it's like you could you could find a way to make a hundred million dollars and nobody would notice. Okay, that's the reality of the world we live in. They're just printing the money at this point. So why are we okay with, it seems to be like 100,000. If I'm making 100,000 thereabouts, everybody's like, cool, I'm I'm good. And that's not going to go very far um, anymore, especially with the inflation that is going to have to incur with the amount of money they've been pumping in the economy. So, yeah, so it's not just about like beating inflation in the stock market. 
we got to beat inflation with our own income or we're going to just limit our lifestyles. It's not saying we're just got to all get rich or get a whole bunch of money, you know, every year so that we can buy bigger houses and bigger cars. No, I think we can reinvest that. This is why I want veterans to have money because I think they're going to be better at reinvesting it into our economy, into good causes, whether nonprofit or for-profit doesn't matter. We tend to do good things. Not always, but I think we do. And so I think we get more veterans, we get off of that fixed income mindset, finding a way to instead of you know spending 40 years, I always heard this quote, you know, most people spend 40 years you know, doing something they hate just to get that safe and secure paycheck, so to speak, but won't spend four years you know, eating it to learn whatever they need to do to do what they really want to do. And, and that's, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I've done for myself. I finally just said, I don't like this standard process I've been put in. I'm going to go figure it out. And yeah, I ate it. I didn't make any money for a few years. I had to live off my savings, but luckily I'd positioned myself so I could do that. Well, when you got out, um, and stop me if I'm, I'm wrong here, you got out into the middle of a basically a financial crisis. You got out in 08. <laughs> yeah. So I got- you're, you're a financial guy. And, and when you got out, you were doing financial right away. And you're in a financial crisis. I mean, how do you even see? I think that's a great lesson in and of itself is, is that it's not going to be easy. You're going to get hit in the head. You're going to get knocked down. It's how you deal with it. That's going to be whether or not you're a successor or, or a failure. Um, but yeah, you got out in the middle of the 2008 uh, housing collapse. Right. And and I didn't know. I mean, I was 100% in the army, didn't really pay attention to financial markets or whatever, got recruited to be a quote unquote financial advisor. It went and got all the licenses and then, you know, went and bought a suit and showed up in the guy's office who was, you know, was, was supposed to be mentoring me. He was a 30 year veteran, certified financial planner. And I you know, started my terminal leave in September of 2008. Lehman Brothers collapsed, I think, mid that month. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't even know what Lehman Brothers was. Right. But I had my licenses, so therefore I was a financial advisor. And I'm sitting there with this guy. And as the market starts to tank, I mean, he was just freaking out. Like, he, he never thought something like this could happen, was totally unaware. And, you know, it was just, honestly, it started asking me what we should do. To get, to get clients. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm the new guy here. And yeah, you're right. It was, it was quite shocking. Um, but at the same time, the weird thing about all that collapse going on, similar to what's going on in the, in the COVID era, you know, if you're in the military or if you're a veteran collecting your pension or some benefits, we have a form of stability that very few in America have. And so we don't tend to need to freak out. And frankly, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunately and during these crisis times that, you know, the greatest, you know, entrepreneurs or, or business minded people kind of take the reins and, and, and go create their, their wealth. I mean, the richest, some of the richest people in the history of the world, you know, happened during the, the Great Depression, right? Depression. So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's well, going to happen it, again. There's opportunity that's born out of crisis. There's right, always, right. whether it's uh, uh, financial crisis or war or whatever, there's opportunity that's born out of that. Um, you know, it's so sad that you see all these businesses closing. I mean, um, yeah. I forget what they said. 60% of the businesses that had to shut down due to COVID won't reopen. Is it up to small businesses? I, that's what wow. I heard recently. I don't know how accurate that is, but I've heard that number. Um, I, 
I can fathom it because here in New York, these businesses that have been shut down for as long as they have or had to go into certain modes where they're not making enough money because they can only have 25 people in their business or 15 people in their business, they might not survive. And that's a horrible thing. But it's also an opportunity for somebody that's just starting out and, like you said, maybe has a little bit of financial security and can maybe take a small hit because there's going to be need. These businesses that aren't coming back, that need for those businesses isn't disappearing. There's just going to be a new business that's going to do it. I mean, and if it's something that you want, you got to be that guy. You got to be there. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, love him or hate him, this is what Jeff Bezos positioned himself. I mean, he saw this 20 years ago. He, right. He, he knew. He was just waiting for the moment. So you notice how in the news recently, you know, the Walmarts are getting looted. Is anybody looting Amazon? No, they're buying from it in droves. Amazon's hiring people like crazy yep. because they were positioned to be the only ones to, to handle this kind of a crisis. I mean, for me personally, I've been building my digital skill set for years and so I was already doing my, my, whatever I do on mostly online, probably 80, 90%. I would go do the local stuff just because I felt compelled to. But once the lockdown happened, I was like, oh, thank God. I can just focus on what I'm good at now, you know, be using the internet um, to get my message out and to find and work with clients. Most financial professionals are forced to go into their offices and have meetings and they only know the one way to do it. And they can't, and frankly, because of the certain licenses, most of them hold to be able to you know, post stuff on, on the internet. That's it, it, highly regulated. They can't do much other than say what the company's approved thing is. And then they all look the same. So everybody's commoditized anyway. So it's a real mess, but you know, for those who are positioned kind of like I was to say, Oh, this is actually an opportunity to reach more people because you know people are stuck at home. So they're going to be more able to, you know, watch videos and listen to podcasts. Yeah, and that's and that's so true. Like, you know, you look at the podcast, YouTube, um, and anything that was small production that didn't get shut down during COVID is what excelled. The shows that needed studios and big production costs and stuff like that, they had to just shut down. Mm -hmm. But a little podcast in a basement. There's no difference. Yeah. And now we have the technology. Look, we're not sitting next to each other, you know, but I can interview you because I have the technology. There's a skill set out there that we can use to still get our message out and still keep going. And that's why you see just podcasts are going through the roof. Uh, I mean, there's a podcast on every subject that you can think of. Uh, and some of them are doing really well if their content is good and they get a follow and they're doing really well. Others go by the wayside, but there wasn't a huge startup cost anyway. So they could just try another idea down the road and they have the equipment. Well, I'll just keep trying something until it sticks. Yeah. And now I have a podcast that works. Exactly. It's like, you're not just going to hit record and be like, all right, people are going to listen to me. No, it's, it's a problem. How do you get in front of people? How do you find the right people? What, what's the right number of listeners? Does it have to be, you know, 10,000 downloads per episode or could it be 10? Like mm -hmm. if you had the opportunity to speak your message, whatever your business is, in front of ten people every day, like that's a goldmine. If they're the right ten people per, per se, so it's 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 all relative. And even if you consider, well, there's already podcasts on that subject, or somebody's already doing it, yeah, but they're not you. Everybody's going to have their individual spin. I mean, there's how many people on online in the world? Two two billion. 
if if you can find a thousand people that resonate with just you out of two billion and find a way for them to want to pay you 10 bucks a month, do the math. There's your six finger in- income just just for talking. I mean, that happens all the time. And uh, it, it's yeah, it's it's it takes but it, that might take years to get there because you got to you got to test. You got to say, oh, people didn't like that or for whatever reason, you know, that didn't work. Like I'm I'm on I've probably done three different podcasts now i've my my latest book coming out i've tried to write that three different times um and so you know what nothing wrong with that i never considered any of them a failure it was just a process of course there's trial and error and everything and i think i think that's something that we were just talking about before is you can't be afraid to kind of fail it's how you fail and how you set yourself up for the next challenge or the next success so are you using that failure and saying, hey, you know, that podcast didn't work or this book didn't, I didn't finish it because I got lost in the middle, but I learned these skills that's going to let me do the next one, or I'm going to still use that first half of the book. I'm just going to finish it a different way because now I like to go this direction or, or I see that there's a need to go in this direction. Um, and I think that's so important that as veterans, we are taught in the military to adapt and overcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times do you hear that? It's from the moment you walk into basic training, adapt and overcome, paying attention to details, these little things. And you kind of don't think about it until you need to use it for something like this. It fits perfect because if you have a stumble, you have to adapt and overcome. You have to, you have to keep moving or you're going to get left behind. And all that money that you, like you said, that you could just grab out of the ether is all somebody else is going to grab it. It's not going to wait there for you. Right. <laughs> you know, but uh, good. Well, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, shoot, move, communicate, right? It's, so in the moment, you know, we're trained to be able to adapt and overcome. But when you think about our, you know, the careers and kind of the, the, the bigger you know, picture of, you know, following orders and regulations and that kind of stuff, there isn't a whole lot of ability to adapt and overcome uh, uh, some of the time. And so, when we get out of the military, uh, we kind of get you know, stuck in that little bubble of, are, are we free to make a decision? Do, do I have permission to go figure out what I really want to do? And th- that's what makes me frustrated with the financial industry as a whole, at least the way that they recruit veterans into the industry. You know, they, all, they always say, oh, you know, we'll hire you to be a financial advisor. Uh, that's misleading. There is no hiring of a financial advisor. Everybody's independent. You're just selling their stuff. Right. And and then they come in and they have these very, very regulated things. You need to make 200 phone calls a week. You need to set five meetings a day. If you're not doing it, you're not trying hard enough. And so the, the industry has a 95% washout rate within the first year or two. And so if you think about a veteran who's coming out thinking, yeah, I'm going to go be a financial advisor. I want to help people. And that's what they, I mean, they always tell me. I got in this industry to help people. And I basically just got yelled at worse than I did even in the military. And then, you know, when you're part of that 95% that wash out, it's like, man, that's a double failure because one, you weren't making any money. Um, if that's the case, because they don't pay you a salary. And frankly, a lot of times you make money, but you have to give it to the mentor that helped you out. (laughs) So it's, it's a frustrating thing for a lot of veterans, but they kind of are sold the story of, you know, being a part of this financial firm and they get very limited. And and I just don't like the idea when they wash out, they feel like they're a failure 
And I think it's like, no, you just learn something you probably wouldn't have liked to do if you really understood what it was going to be. And so that's the one thing I also really want to change is the, the how veterans understand what they're getting into when they enter this industry. And it's not the 1980s anymore. And that's what they're they're basically being told to be, you know, Wall, Wolf of Wall Street type folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're looking at movies like Boiler Room and, and, right. and stuff like that. And it's like, no, that's not reality. That's a movie. And this is what it's really like. Mm-hmm. You know, your your washout rate is higher than some special forces. <laughs> <laughs> you got a better chance of finishing TACP school in the Air Force than you do staying in that career field at the 95% washout rate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so if you think about it in that mindset, it's like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. What, what's actually going on here? Now, say perfect scenario. Perfect scenario, you had control. You, you have all the tools. What is it that you would like to see veteran financial planning look like? And I'll use the term financial planning just because it's something that people know. But wealth management or creation of wealth, how would you see that for a veteran? You know, just a general overview. Yeah. Um, first off, I, I'm, I, I would not say that my approach and philosophy is for everyone. Of, co- of course not. And if, frankly, it's probably for maybe 10% of our population. But what I am saying is, even, even if it is only 10% of our population, a lot of them have been sold the kind of you know, Dave Ramsey approach for, for, for to make it a blanket assumption of, of how you're supposed to do things. And, you know, after I talked to them, it's like they might have done all the right things financially, but they have no real identity and they're not doing any self growth to find that identity. They're just, I'm doing the thing, right? I'm doing the thing I'm saving. And, and, and why aren't, why aren't I not happy? Why aren't I not feeling fulfilled or meaningful? It's like, well, because maybe you're one of the ones who, who needs to do something different with with your money versus just save it. And and for most, maybe we just need to be a following orders type and go get that good job and save. And of course, we need we need the 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 worker bees in our society, absolutely. But for those who are looking to do more and and don't know the path or don't think they have permission, that's what I'm here for is to say, hey, it's okay. There's a different way. You're allowed to pursue it. It doesn't have to be risky whatsoever. Um, and it can allow you to go find more purpose. So that's who I'm really trying to speak to is, is that person who just kind of feels a little off when it comes to all this stuff. It's like, right. that was me. I was even in the financial industry. I was telling people to do things that I myself realized I wasn't doing with my money because I was you know, living overseas, traveling when I wanted you know, looking at different ideas to start businesses or trying to understand what that was, taking online courses instead of going to school for two years to get an MBA, which would have been meaningless to me. Like, you know, I, I felt weird that I didn't want to go get the MBA. Luckily, I didn't, because uh, if I had gone down that path and found myself stuck at some investment firm, you know, on Wall Street, I'd have been miserable, even if I would have been making you know a ton of money. And I have West Point friends who did that, and they would call me up even when I was you know, living off my savings, not making the big paychecks. These guys are living in penthouses in Hong Kong, and yet they're calling me up and saying, how do you do that? And mm-hmm. that was a, my, you know, I didn't realize at the time, this is all in hindsight, I started putting it together. It's like, you know, 
when I think about my mentor, who was the top financial advisor in the firm, one of the top ones in the country, probably. And, you know, all of our clients were, you know, on the fixed income. It was always a problem that we're trying to fix. And you got to save more. You got to buy more insurance. And yet he's living in a penthouse in Italy, traveling the world with his family, you know, making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I was like, why aren't we telling our clients how to live this lifestyle? Clearly right. Why are we telling them? Us. Why are yeah. we telling them less about insurance and more about how can I go travel with my family in Italy? Like, why? Are, why isn't that the focus? <laughs> right. It's and so that's when I realized when you talk about being a fiduciary, you know, fiduciary means you know, doing what's in your client's interest. But that only has to do with how you invest the money in the market. It's it's so limited, and they make this huge deal out. Oh, make sure you're talking to fiduciary. It's like. Duh, like we're all, I'm a fiduciary. I have the Series 65 license, therefore I'm, I'm a fiduciary. Guess what I tell a lot of my clients not to do? Put their money in the market at all. Right. If, if, if it doesn't make sense for them because they're thinking, actually, I want to be able to use my money in five years to you know, maybe invest in something that I can get income from when I get out of the military versus, you know, you know hold and wait, you know, <laughs> the... The, the let's see how the stock market performs over a long term. And yeah, I'll, I'll say over on average, probably you're going to get that 8% rate of return. But if you could take that same money and you know start some sort of on online business, I mean, I'm learning Facebook ads myself right now. Okay. I, I spend $10 a day, right? If I get one client and somehow that ends up being thousands of dollars of revenue for $10 a day, that's way better than 8% rate of return. I mean, why aren't we taught that stuff when it comes to financial advice? That's what I realized is this is wealth management, wealth advice, giving people skill sets and telling them how to you know, understand what a personal brand really is and why that's so important in this day and age. So you can really find that identity of how you're meant to serve and how you're supposed to get income from that service. And sometimes that means getting a job. Sure. But wouldn't you rather have the job that you're really excited to get up for, regardless of how much income it is? Yeah, no, and, and and I think that people, and I think there's also a level of you can also do more than one thing. So you might have the nine to five job, and stop me if if you disagree, but you can have the nine to five job that maybe gives you because you you're the type of person that maybe needs a little bit of the security, mm -hmm. but you also want to take a little bit of risk and you want to do something that's your passion. Have the nine to five job, but go after that passion, and if it fails. Listen, you're still okay. If it succeeds, now you're building, like you said, you're building a brand. You're building something above just your normal nine to five job. Um, you know, it, that's a path for a lot of people as well because because we have so many tools that you're not, you don't have to report into an office. So you don't have to quit your day job. You can do things outside of that as well. And then maybe one day you will quit your day job. Um, but there's yeah. a lot of ways to get into it. No, I, I honestly think that that is the, the smart path. It's, it, you know, when we get out and get that first job, the reality is most veterans end up switching jobs within the first few years anyways. So instead of going and saying, like I did, hi, this is my new career. I am now a financial advisor and that's it. Like it took me almost 10 years to finally leave my firm. Like my, it was, it was only after my, my dad, unfortunately, you know, suddenly passed away I had this big epiphany and I was just like, I quit, you know, and, but that was, that was hard for years. I wanted to get, get away from them, them and the firm and everything. 
and I just, in the industry as a whole, I, I just couldn't do it because I thought this is my identity. This is my new job. And so now I think, yes, it, typically, you know, we need to be finding that first job when we get out and maybe you end up loving it. Maybe it ends up being your whole new career, but at least go into it with a mindset of saying, I'm, I'm planning on learning is doing as much good as I can in this job, being as useful, not, not, but not thinking of it as just, a, I got to go to work on Monday. I'm going in to build skills, to build relationships, to learn how the, how the civilian world works, but with the mindset of always open to opportunity, because if, if you see an opportunity pass you by and you don't, you don't know how to recognize it, I mean, what's the opportunity cost there? It's, it's impossible to, to, to quantify if we're thinking, nope, this is right. This is the only thing I have going to me. So I just implore folks to be thinking. And so instead of going to work and, and saying, all right, what's the boss going to have me do today? Go in and saying, hmm, why is the boss having me do that? How would I do it differently? We just start to think about stuff in, in, a, in a new way and to constantly improve so that one day, if you want, you've, you've put position yourself, you've built the network, you've built the brand, whatever it is to say, okay, cool. I don't necessarily need this quote unquote job anymore if I want to go follow this thing. And that, that just does not happen overnight. It can take five to 10 years. But wouldn't you rather try versus waking up 20, 30 years later going, man, I wish I would have tried. Yeah, yeah. And you also, like you said, it takes years for this stuff to kind of unfold. You know, the people that have succeeded online with social media and stuff like that, a majority of them were nobodies for a very long time. Yeah. And then something happened, something clicked, and they got a little bit more of a following, and then it built and it built and it built. Whether that's something that went viral or it's just because they just, you know, word of mouth and it spread, you know, that's fine. But most of them didn't just start an Instagram account and on day one had 100,000 followers. Right. Well, the joke is... Um, yeah, my overnight success took 10 years. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, I use my podcast as an example. You know, I had a personal Instagram account. So I decided to start the the um, the podcast. I said, okay, now I'm going to do a uh, Instagram account for the podcast. Well, I'll invite the people to come like it that are my friends on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Maybe you got... 30% to come over, mm -hmm. you know, now what do you do? Okay. Now it's a grind. Now it's, how do you get more people on there doing events, do this, do that advertising. Like you said, maybe you do a Facebook ad, something like that, but it all takes time. It's not going to happen. You know, you're not going to ask every single family member and friend to go follow you or put money into something or, and everybody's going to do it. That's not reality. You're going to get a low percentage of those people. Right. And so the, yeah. the the next step then is go make new friends. And and the on the way of making online friends, I mean that's that's the brand building. It's like you got to go do that outreach. And now with these iPhones, you can you know do it from your couch. And a few minutes a day, you can make a whole lot of connections. You know, some people get all upset. Oh, you know, there's some person just trying to pitch me something. It's like okay, they haven't woken up about what what's really going on here. You're networking. It's never been easier than ever to network. I mean, heck. I tell people, you know, when it comes to financial, you know, investment or whatever, you know, wealth management of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, Bitcoin, gold, the best wealth management tool ever created is LinkedIn. Yeah. 
Yes. You can go create whatever you want on there. People think it's just a business resume thing. It's like, that's if you're only looking for that one path. But if you want to go broadly, I mean, the average CEO level person or the type of person that you want to have in your network, if you're being smart, only has about 900 connections on LinkedIn. And if you think about all the people doing the posting and the commenting and stuff, only about 1% of LinkedIn users are, are, are active or adding value, as we say, mm-hmm. uh, to the community. So if you're one of that 1%, you're like one of nine people showing up in that person's feed every day. Like all of a sudden you can build a network of pretty influential type people. Is that going to turn into something overnight? Of course not. But, you know, at the right time, if you build up enough of them, then yeah, more opportunity is going to show up in one form or the other. You're going to, you're going to learn more about yourself. You're going to see other things that are out there, but if you're not actively engaging, how are you going to make new friends? And an online friend is different than an in-person friend. But the coolest thing is once they end these stupid lockdowns um, and we can start going back to things like conferences, conferences are amazing because you can build amazing relationships in a very short period of time. Now, most people go to conferences and they'll run into a few people, make a couple friends, and then afterwards, you know, kind of follow up online. The real trick is to have the online, you know, brand, especially on LinkedIn beforehand. I mean, I think it work in Instagram and Facebook as well. It just, in, in our community, it tends to work really well with LinkedIn. But if you're meeting these people and then you go to the conference, when you show up, I have this happen to me all the time. It's like, hey, man, what's going on? You're like best friends. And, right. and, and that's so powerful. And, and and so there's little tricks and hacks like that, that quite frankly, I've had some of the best relationships in my life. When I think back to all my friends in the past that, you know, I call them my friends and stuff, but they're not really in my life anymore because they, I've had one friend call me a snake oil salesman. And I'm <laughs> like, and this is, this is a guy, Air Force Academy grad with an MBA. He's been basically unemployed for about 10 years. And he comes to me and he's like, oh man, I'm down in the dumps. I don't know what to do. And I was like, well. Get on LinkedIn, build a brand. Da, da, da. Oh, hold on, man. I don't know. That seems like snake oil. I'm like, all right. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I can't help well, you. I, and maybe, yeah, that's, maybe, that's maybe you're person. not really meant to be in a friendship anymore if I can't, if we can't benefit each other in that way. Right, right. Because at that point, you're not going to be able to help that person. Because if you're unemployed for 10 years and somebody gives you a suggestion of something to do, the reaction shouldn't be you're a snake oil salesman because maybe it's, it doesn't sound normal, but you've been doing normal for 10 years and it hasn't worked. So maybe this is what you really should look at as just what do you have to lose? You should be building your brand. You should be out there uh, networking and getting people to, to, to interact with you. I say it all the time. People will ask me, well, how'd you get this person on the podcast? Or how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And I say, well, I shoot my shot. Yeah. I'm not afraid to send somebody an email, say, Hey, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm interested in this. Would you talk to me? Sometimes they answer back. Sometimes they don't. I don't take it personal. It is what it is. I try to be as specific about what I want to talk to them about so that they know that I'm not just, Hey, I want to have you on my show. Right. No, no. I want to have you on my show because I really want to talk to you about X, Y, and Z and what you're doing and blah, blah, blah. And generally, you get a good response. Even if they don't end up being on the show, that's somebody now that you've talked to. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to build a little bit of a relationship with them because even if they don't come on, I'm still going to send them a message every once in a while. Hey, man, haven't talked to you in a little while. You're still working on this. 
Right. Now you, like you said, now you're networking, now you're building a relationship online. And if you ever do a conference or a veteran event and you do meet up with these people, you have a starting off point. You're not just introducing yourself. Oh, you're that person. All right, great. Hey, remember we were talking about this. That's great. How's this going? How's your family? Blah, blah, blah. You're already, you already know each other. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's so important. And it doesn't, a lot of people get frustrated when they, they it's like, okay, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to make a video. I'm going to make a post. And uh, didn't, nobody commented or nobody liked it. And, and then they stop. It's like, one, it can take six to 12 months for you to find your voice in your community. But the bottom line is that that post is still going in front of people's eyes. Even if they don't click on it or even stop mm-hmm. to read it, subconsciously, they're still seeing your name. And wouldn't, I mean, the in any industry, any industry, the wealthiest people are the best known. Dave Ramsey, not even a licensed financial professional, right? Dr. Phil, it, it, you know, these, you know, I'm not saying everybody's got to go try to be a celebrity, but you know, you don't have to be anymore. You just need to be well known amongst, you know, a hundred or a thousand people. But if nobody knows your name at all online, if you're only in your own little bubble, then how do you how do you find how can there be more opportunity? And, that, and that's where it's frustrating when I get veterans come to me saying, I don't know what to do. I feel stuck. It's like, well, what have you done? And, and and usually they haven't done any of this stuff. They're kind of just sitting and waiting for things to happen for them. You know, putting out resumes, you know, 200 resumes. How often do you hear this? I put out 200 resumes. I didn't I got one hit you know, one interview. It's it's like because nobody knew your name. If they already knew you and then you know your resume shows up in a stack of hundreds they're like oh i've actually seen this guy's name before who now let me look deep di- different it can be that easy but you got to put in the work that's the effort yeah well it's the difference between cold calling somebody who's going to probably hang up on you or having a personal introduction by mm-hmm. a mutual friend you're going to have much more success probably with the mutual friend introducing you to somebody than you would getting a roll of numbers and just calling them and seeing if somebody would talk to you. Right. Right. You know, there's a huge difference there. Um, so having your name out there and having that brand is what we would call almost like the foundation. I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. Actually. I mean, that's, it's one of my main three pillars for my kind of what I call my wealth and Liberty strategy. It's, it's, you know, building that identity, building that brand, you know, whatever, whatever that means for you, I, I think it could lead to something like, you know, doing YouTube or a podcast or writing a book, but it doesn't have to. It's just understanding that in this day and age, the people who get ahead are leveraging the technology. And the better you can use that to start to define your personal brand and what makes you unique, then the better it's going to work out for you. Not everybody's got to come up with their own epiphany and be completely different, but they're going to at least see... Like if somebody sends me a resume, I'm just like, all right, one, I don't want to read this. This looks, makes my head hurt. Um, it, it, frankly, you could be a private or lieutenant colonel. All I know is that you were competent in the military somehow, because we all know it's all kind of just fudged and, mm-hmm. and to make it sound nice. So it's like, how is this useful? But if I see the guy's two minute video, he's talking about something that's important to him or, 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 or something he learned that he wanted to share to help others. It's like, oh, this person's, you know, recognizing value and understanding, you know, where he could pass that value on to. And, you know, that's that's the difference of personal branding. You don't have to be the expert. If I learn something today 
and share it with somebody tomorrow and it helps improve their, their life in some way, where's, where's the need for any qualifications and certifications? It doesn't exist anymore. And frankly, as I alluded to earlier, a lot of these qualifications and certifications are commoditizing you and just making you yet another MBA, PMP, CFP. And, you know, for, for the average person, it's like, okay, we need an MBA for this role. And so, yeah, you've checked that box, but how, how has that defined who you are and what makes you unique? And so, you know, that takes a lot of self-work, especially coming out of the military where we've got this definition of whatever our rank or our role was on active duty. And we kind of feel like we have to honor that as a civilian. And we forget to honor our pre-military life. What, What were you passionate about as a kid? We all know in psychology, it's, some trauma you had as a kid that's what's got you all messed up these days, right? Always <laughs> so, is. It always is. is. But what about on the positive aspect of that? If you went into a room of uh, you know, a bunch of senior military guys transitioning out of the military and you said, how many of you are artists? You know, maybe a guy plays a guitar, might raise his mm-hmm. hand, right? But if you go to kindergarten, say, how many of you are artists? Everybody raises their hands. Right. So we were all artists. We were all creative in, in one way or the other. And so we all had some sort of passions. And I, I think we deserve to go back and remember that. And for me, I, I had forgotten. I used to do my, I was on my speech and debate team. I did this humorous, you know, kind of like stand up routines and competition, actually. And then I was in the drama club or whatever. But I was really known as the, you know, lacrosse captain, state champion, you know, army guy going to the army. But I love doing that stuff. And I had put it off for 20 some years until I started going, oh, actually enjoyed that. And cool. I can use podcasts, the Internet or whatever to start to, you know, go back and and develop those skills. But now align it with, you know, new knowledge, new experience, financial industry, having been a veteran, how those things align now. How do I learn mass communication better to bring value to others? So you know, that, that's, that's, I think, something that we should talk about more is what did you want to do when you grew up, when you were thinking about it before you, you, you took that oath and basically gave all that freedom and liberty to the government, willingly, of course, you know, that, that ability to come out of the military and take that liberty back, that's powerful. And more of us, I hope, will do it. And, and that's kind of funny because as you were just saying that, I was thinking back. I had a radio show my freshman year of college. No it was way. the <laughs> afternoon radio show. And I probably haven't thought about that in 20 years. Wow. <laughs> but my freshman year, me and a few buddies had a radio show. It was a talk show. It was all just dick and fart jokes and joking around and being stupid (laughs) you know it was talking about what party was last night and who got too drunk and fell asleep in the ditch and it was just dumb stuff it was very um i guess we wanted to try to be a howard stern type sure uh, sure you know show and uh and i until you just said that i hadn't thought about that in years years. really wow Even, it's funny. even when you started this one, that's funny. I, I really didn't like, I, I, it's possible that it popped into my brain. I might've said it to my wife that I know that I could do it, mm-hmm. but I didn't actually think about the show or that I actually enjoyed it. Hmm. And that's maybe a better statement is, is I didn't think about it in the fact that I loved doing it. It was so much fun. I looked forward to those afternoons when I had that studio time. Um, 
And it's funny now that you say it. I really did. I loved it. <laughs> no, that's powerful, man. No, I'm, yeah, well, it's really cool. I'm glad it manifested itself for you in, in some capacity. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, I want to ask this question. And listen, people can come to you and they can get your services. But you're putting a lot of information out for the general populace, even whether they invest with you, whether they use your services. Um, you're, you're writing books. You already have some books out there. You have a new book coming out, which is the uh, Veteran Wealth Secrets. That's going to be kind of like your big explanation of all of this. Yeah, that's um, the manifesto. <laughs> yeah, that's like your your thing. Without giving away too, too much, because I want people to read the book and I want people to contact you. I build my brand. Okay, now I have this. Whether it's a LinkedIn profile, whether it's an Instagram, whether it's a little following on YouTube. Now what do I do? Now I have this. Now how do I start transitioning that into, say, wealth? Or how do I start leveraging that? And you've talked a little bit about how you leverage it, but how do I come up with a strategy to leverage all of now this, this brand that I created into that, that sustainable wealth and being able to fold it into new projects and new things and keep going? Well, um, that, that's a great question because really, you know, it's during that brand building process, essentially you're networking. I mean, my underlying assumption is that along that journey, again, this probably takes years, you you will stumble. I mean, this is what creating the luck for yourself is. Opportunity will show up. If you're not going to the same cubicle every day for 10 years, you know, metaphorically, and, you know, expanding your network on the internet, you're going to find something you want to pursue. And when you do, you, you go after it. And that means, you know, building that skill set and stuff. And so, yeah, you got to, you got to create the income in one, one way or the other. And there's a thousand different ways to do that. I'm, you know, won't get into them all right now, but no, of course not. let's just say you build a little audience and you've got, you know, a little monthly income coming in from that audience. It's about learning how to scale it. Okay, so now I want to reinvest that income instead of just saving it. And so, you know, to thinking about yourself as an individual business. So this is where, you know, Robert, Vietnam veteran Robert Kiyosaki comes in with the Rich Dad, Poor Dad strategy. Uh -huh. You want to, the strategy is simply exactly what he says. You know, get yourself on the right side of the quadrant where you're now either a business owner or an investor. So if you create a lot of assets where you have a ton of money, then you don't necessarily have to be the idea guy. You can you know, go find somebody who likes to flip houses and say, here, take some money in, or, or, or invest in other people's businesses. Now, obviously, that's a lot harder because you got to somehow come, come up with a lot of money to be able to do that. But if you're a business owner in some capacity and are creating income that sustains your lifestyle, whatever that means, you might still live paycheck to paycheck. But if you control your time, then that's wealth in my mind. That's the definition of wealth. Um, obviously, you know, growing that income so you can increase that lifestyle or eventually be able to invest in things you understand or things that you love. Again, whether that's for profit or nonprofit, you know, that's the strategy to, to take back control of this whole money thing. So it you know, aligns with a purpose in, in some capacity. Yeah. And you know, I'm, as you're saying these things, I'm thinking in my head. So I'm, I, if I stumble a little bit, I apologize. But hmm. it's 
it's thought provoking because, you know, I've thought about a lot of things of how you, you know, you can use this personal brand to make a little bit of money. But I've never really thought about what I was going to do with that money, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And now that you're saying it's like, okay, now you could reinvest, you can become an investor. Now you're a business. Are you making your business bigger? What are you doing with the? Now you have the money. Are you giving I, it to charity? I mean, right? Am I? Am I starting? That's what wealthy people do. Like, right. why do we think it's weird that only the quote unquote wealthier rich people can do all these things and live? The, a lot of them are miserable too, by the way, because they, they haven't course, quite. Yeah. They might have come into a lot of money, but maybe they haven't found their identity yet. But we find the ones who are, are doing it. We look up to them. We think, ah, oh, shucks, that can't be me. But why does it have to be on a large scale? It could be mm -hmm. on a small scale. Again, I have fr I have friends in Thailand who live on a thousand dollars a month. Well, you know, we we ch we choose our own destiny. That's that's one of the problems I have with you know telling everybody to use the VA loan and buy a house because then they get stuck in a one location and then it's like, well, you know, something didn't didn't show up for me here, so I can't I can't move because I'm stuck here. My family's in great here. You know, th those are risky things. When it's like, well, maybe I can go to a place where I don't need as much money to live and I can do other things. I mean, we're allowed to do that. <laughs> well, I, I live that kind of almost every day because I'm a New Yorker. Oh, and yeah. I hear I hear people say it almost every day. I got to get out of here. It's becoming too expensive. Mm. Th this COVID thing is a prime example. Everybody up here that I talk to, my friends, you're kind of like walking around on pins and needles because you know the state's basically broke. Yeah. You know that the local governments are really broke. They need money. They're going to raise those we taxes. <laughs> and we're already in the highest tax state in the country, besides maybe California, depending on where you are. And so the, rich, raise the rich people who are paying the most of those taxes, they're all leaving. So they're leaving. It, it, it's like, who's going to make up for it? Right. I have a lot of friends who have left Manhattan. Uh, you know, for various reasons, some of them with kids, they were worried about the COVID situation. They mm -hmm. said, listen, this is bad. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get out of here. And a lot of the businesses are like, well, you're remote anyway. I don't need you in the city now anyway. And we're going to keep the remote model going forward. So now they can work from Long Island, say. But moving to Long Island is not saving them a ton of money because now the house is $800,000 and their taxes are sixteen and $17,000 a year mm -hmm. on that house. And they're still paying state income tax. They're still paying federal, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. You know, people are worried, can I afford to stay here? But like you just said, they're invested here. They're kind of stuck. I know I'm one of them. Uh, you know, I have a young daughter. I have a house. I have parents that I kind of take care of. Mm -hmm. I can't just run out the door. And it can be very daunting to have that over your head because if things get bad, you'd like to have that option to say, Hey, whoa, I don't want to pay that state tax anymore. I don't want to pay 16,000 in property tax anymore. I'm going to move. I'm going to go to Texas. I'm going to go to Tennessee. I'm going to go wherever because I have that freedom. There's a lot that, that freedom is amazing. Uh, you know, to have that. Right. Right. And, 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 and that's, I mean, that's what I say. It's like, Hey, you know, sometimes you, you, you like you are, you kind of, you are stuck. And so, I think the only option there is, all right, go make, you know, find the, that this is where the hustle comes in, find the way, you know, legally <laughs> to make as much money as possible so that you can be like, all right, fine. I'm giving half my money to the state of New York or whatever in taxes. It's like, 
you know, I was I was living in San Diego, California. And, so you know. <laughs> oh, geez, man. I had this. I you know, used my VA loan, bought this you know, tiny apartment for, gosh, like three hundred thousand dollars. It was a condo. It was ridiculous. And then um, I, I finally was like, I, I need to get out of here. Um, you know, this this place is kind of fake for what I'm trying to do. And so I ended up back on the East Coast. And now I started to realize like how much money I was spending and wasting and not to mention California also broke. I moved to California in January 2015. I had been living in Europe for 11 years before that. All of a sudden, I start getting bills from or, or notices from the California State Tax Authority that I owe them taxes for 2014. Then they went went into my bank account and took the money. Right. That's a big thing I've been and reading a little bit about. I had to fight to get my money back. It took me over a year. I mean, it wasn't a huge amount, but it was enough to be like, screw you. Like, I lived in Germany in 2014. They're like, prove it. I'm like, prove that I was here. No, no, they put they put the onus on me. Like, you can't fight the government, the tax authorities. So, you know. I, well, that's, that's <laughs> the concern. There's a concern for a lot of people that are exiting California. California is talking about doing that. Exit um, tax. Yeah. Exit tax if you leave. And people are like, well, come find me. No, no. They will find you. Oh, like yeah. you just said, they're going to take their money and then you have to fight. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you, now you don't have that money. <laughs> right, right. And that's you know, very real. You, you know, there's a lot of people go through crazy financial situations and, you know, it's like you don't think it's going to happen to you until it does. And yeah, it's it's uh, it's a interesting. Maybe we live in interesting times. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> you know, I think this COVID thing, especially with the financial world, there's so much uneasiness between, you know, add in the fact that it's an election year, you know, mm-hmm. and we're we're just inundated with this guy's bad or that guy's bad. This guy's going to make you bankrupt or that guy's going to make you bankrupt. And then the fact that you watch everything going on with COVID, whether businesses are shut down, some are opening. Why is that business allowed to open? But that one's not. Yeah. You you look at all of it and it, it makes your head spin when it's all said and done because you're like, all right, what's the right answer? What, where do I want to align myself? And I think what you're talking about is a genuine opportunity to kind of cut through all of that murkiness. You know what I mean? Because if you focus on your own brand and building your own kind of foundation for wealth, none of that matters. Yeah. Or at least matters a lot less. Exactly. I mean, I used to kind of think, you know, before all this started getting crazy, I used to kind of think, hey, yeah, you know, be a nice thing. You know, if you kind of position yourself where you you can have time freedom and location freedom. And I recommend that. I suggest that. And, you know, but if you want to keep your job and all that, you know, so be it. But now more and more, I'm thinking it's imperative. It's imperative that you get yourself out of the system if you want to have any sense of liberty. I mean, if if I had had a business that had gotten shut down by the government, I mean, these guys, you know, had the gym shut down and went crazy, went broke their doors back open in Jersey. It's like, I mean, at what point do we stand up and fight for our liberty? Well, yeah, like I get it. I get it. Like that guy's got to feed his family and he he put his money into his dream. Right. He built his world that he thought was going to be sustainable. And then somebody comes in and says, no, you're not allowed to open. And they said, don't, look- don't, don't worry, we're doing a bailout for that. It's like, I don't want to rely on a bailout. No, I want to go back to work. I want to rely on my ingenuity, my family, my, my work. And, 
you know, far too many Americans are are comfortable. I and mean, we see this with government employees. We all know the joke. It's uh-huh. like, you can't get fired. I'm just going to ride my time out to get my, you know, get my pension and all that. It's like, well, I don't want to be that guy personally. If, if that's you, fine. If you want to you know, rely on the yeah. government, but you know, so I think more and more veterans, you know, want to be, you know, self-reliant, self-responsible for all aspects of their life. That's what I joke about. It's like, what do you need a financial advisor for in the traditional sense? Like it's your money. You need to be your own financial advisor. Quite frankly, it's not that hard. Most of the stuff that you would traditionally do or, or pay someone else to do, you can automate online with technology and, you know, and, and you know, there's different ways to think about it. So, you know, that's, you know, that's where we got to become more, more self-reliant and, and, and eventually position ourselves to be able to be flexible. And if, if need be mobile. Yeah. Well, and listen, there's something to be said for a veteran getting out and being able to, say, get a government job. Mm -hmm. There's flexibility in that because you can transfer, you can move around, stuff like that. But if you become the guy that you were just talking about that's like, hey, I have no drive, I have no ambition, I'm just going to let them pay me, and that's going to be it. That's different than saying, hey, listen, I'm going to use this, I'm going to leverage this government job to pay my bills so that I can go out and build my brand, build my dream, move around as I need to by transferring here or transferring there. But I'm doing all of this. I'm not stagnant. I'm still being somebody. You know, now you're using both sides of it. Exactly. Which, which listen, getting your five or 10 points when you get out to get a government job, if it's a good paying job, might sustain you. And it might give you that opportunity to do exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's what you kind of need. You need to be able to pay your general bill so you can live so that you can do these amazing things. Exactly. You know? you, you, that's what I was getting at earlier. Use the advantages that we have going for us. Yeah. Like I, I feel bad when I talk about government employment because it's no, like, no, I'm no usually, problem. I'm usually railing on the government, but it's like, I'm not talking about all the veterans who are, you know, trying to get by and stuff. But, you know, I have a good example of my buddy, Chris, um, who's a realtor in Colorado Springs. And he didn't start off that way. He, he got out, he was stationed out there at space command or something and, uh, and used his points to get a government, a nice GS 12 job or something like that. And then had an opportunity to, uh, get a little bit higher pay uh, for, with a contractor. And so he, he moved over to there and he's saving a ton of money and he started kind of buying real estate on the side. And after he had a few investment properties and was making some money, he was like, you know what? I'm actually pretty good at this and I like it. And so he saved up enough money. So he ended up moving from the government to the, to the contractor sector. And then he, then he moved out completely. Now he's a very successful realtor and real estate investor you know, because he built that skill set over time, you know, leveraging right. the advantages he had um, by you know, having been a veteran with those you know, particular skill sets to work for the government. And, I, and I'd like to talk about that for just one second, leveraging what we get as veterans. Okay. So we do get 5%, uh, five points or 10 points, depending for a government job. So like you just said, that gentleman, he got out, used it to get the government position. And then he used that to, as a springboard for his next venture and then his next venture and found what he wanted to do. And that's, and that's, that's a great way of doing that. But there's other things as well, besides just the government position, there is the VA loans. Okay. Uh, for homes. Uh, 
there is the opportunity to buy real estate with VA loans, whether mm-hmm. you buy a duplex or something like that and you use it to pay your mortgage and you rent the other side out and then you start making some more money and you buy another one or whatever. Um, there's education, obviously. So if you do want to go the route of, say you want to be a, a filmmaker and you want to actually go to school for it, the post 9-11 GI Bill gives an amazing opportunity to just change your career completely mm-hmm. and make money while you're doing it because you're going to get a BAH while you're going to school. And if you're up here in New York, I think the BAH is up to almost, it's over 2000. I think it might be close to 3000 now a month. Mm-hmm. And then you could go to school. So there's those. Is there anything else? Those are the ones that people know about. Are there any other programs or things that veterans get that can be used to do what you're talking about? Um, I mean, really, you know, those are when it comes to you know financial benefits and extra. I mean, other than you know your VA disability, uh, trying to get those, I haven't run into anything specific. Okay, um, I do think you know the GI Bill it, it can be you know kind of a double edged sword more so than the VA loan because a lot of people are unfortunately simply using it to get that BAH so they can kind of extend figuring out what they want to do. Nothing wrong with that. I mean. But, you know, what's the intention? I, I know a, a fellow West Point grad who uh, I ran into him in San Diego and he was there for the there was a big academy only job fair going on. And he was telling me he was going to it. And I said, you know, he just graduated, just finished his MBA using the post 9-11 GI Bill. And so I said, oh, cool. Well, what, what company are you looking to talk to? What do you want to do? I don't know. We'll see what happens. He's like, wait a minute. You just spent two years getting an MBA using the GI Bill, and and you have you don't know, you haven't thought about it, you know. So that's that's I think somebody told me that once that the the completion rate for people who start the GI Bill is something like in single digits. Yeah, it's not very good. Uh, and I'm I'm somebody who used the GI Bill all the way through. I finished a bachelor's and a master's with it. Mm-hmm. Um, good for you. But I know. In a handful of my friends that are veterans, I think there's only three of us that finished it to completion. Mm. The rest did not. They used it for a short period of time. Life happened. They had to stop. Mm -hmm. And they never started back up again. Right. And I think that's more common. And But I have another, and and that could be, but I think there's a way to do that intentionally. Because I I got another friend who, um, career military, um, but... Didn't want to get a job, like totally. I ain't work for anybody else. You know, grow my hair long, that kind of stuff. And um, it, what he did is he said, "Okay, I'm going to use this GI Bill. I'm going to go take some classes. I'm going to move to San Francisco and sleep on somebody's couches so I can get the highest BAH possible and help sustain my lifestyle." While he hustled his butt off for like five years. I mean, he was just hustling you know, building a huge network. He's really actually into podcasting big time. He's built this podcast network. He's running conferences now, but he did that. And I don't think he completed his GI bill either, but he was very intentional about, he's like, Oh, I have this benefit. I have this opportunity. Uh Go take some classes and, and, but full intention of I'm doing this so I can get by without having to get a quote unquote job. You know, thank you American taxpayers for doing this, but I'm going to repay those taxpayers by going out and, and finding my purpose and, you know, doing good in the world. It's like, you know, why couldn't we have a, a, 
GI bill for entrepreneurs as well? Like, why is it only got to be for higher education? What do we think this higher education thing, you know, is so special? <laughs> so, it, it, I mean, it was for a while, but it's not as much anymore. Um, well, it's definitely not. It's not the same intention anymore. Right. Uh, you know, because you don't need it for a majority of what you're so not that you don't need it i i hate saying that because i think education is always a good thing um and i always try to preach that but it's not it's not a prerequisite let's say it like that it's not a prerequisite for you what might be your dream career or job or what you want to do with the rest of your life you don't have to have it to do these things yeah it might help it might check a box um, but even that's happening less and less because people are going direct into the workforce now um, or people are creating their own workforce and they're creating their own jobs now. So uh, do you need the MBA? Do you need the PMP? Right. You know, it's like, there I don't a, know. There isn't a degree in, let's just go back on the Facebook ads thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's no certification or degree in it. Yeah, you can take some online courses, but there's no like official you know, thing on that. But, you know, if you teach yourself how to be successful with Facebook ads, then you can go to pretty much any small business and be like, hey, man, let me run this ads for you and we'll split the profits. Like, isn't that education <laughs> and using yeah. that education more intentionally? And it could be self, self-taught self or you can, you know, go learn from somebody else. But, you know, I think that's where, you know, the 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 assumption that you need a degree to go to a job is like that's i mean yes for a lot of corporate jobs they're going to they're going to check that box but small businesses they want skills and motivation and hustle that's without it without a doubt <laughs> that's it they don't they don't care i don't care what kind of degree i've had you know more academy grads you know come to work with me and and they weren't a good fit for being self employed and i found more military spouses um, are, are kind of more self-reliant in that way as, as they've come to need to be. It's, right. uh, it's interesting. I, I look at education as you have to want to do that because you want to learn. Don't do it because you're trying to get a certain career, uh, you know, outside of say, hey, I want to become a lawyer. Well, you, yeah, you're going to need a law degree. Sorry. There's still no way around that. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. You're going to have to deal with that. You want to be a doctor. Good luck. You still need all of that. Absolutely. But for a lot of careers, there's a ways around it nowadays. Like you said, small businesses, they're not going to care as much. As long as you're making them money, that's what they care about. If you're doing the job and you're doing it well, that's going to speak a lot louder than any degree. The education part of it has to be a personal thing that you want. I want my degree because I want to go to school. That was what it was for me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to school. I want. First of all, I wanted to finish that. It was something that I started years and years ago. I dropped out. That's how I ended up in the military. And I wanted as a personal achievement to finish that. I wanted to know that I could do it. Yeah. And then after I got my bachelor's, I said, you know what? I'd love to go to school for something that I care about and is a passion of mine just because I want to learn it. I'm not going to use it for a career. I'm just going to go because I really want to learn about that. And I actually ended up going to school for my master's. I got my master's in space studies. Oh. And I did my research on. Um, applications in space for certain technologies. And that was the research that I did. It had to do with um, uh, uh, long duration space travel and how we can 
help the human body deal with that, whether it's sleep and circadian rhythm and things like that. And I'm never going to use that for my career. Never going to happen. But I loved every minute of it. And well, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, but I, I think that's fascinating because I'm someone who loves watching those YouTube videos about Elon Musk and quantum physics and time travel and all that kind of stuff. I don't understand what the heck they're talking about, but you do. Like, you know, that's, you know, that's how you understand. I mean, to, to use to use knowledge very intentionally to say, hey, listen, I'm going to go deep in this one thing. Uh, I, I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And and listen, we have that out there. But I ag also agree with what you're saying. That. Don't just do that because you think you have to do it to get this job, because that line of thought is wrought with failure. Because the moment that something changes or there's a challenge or something like that, your desire to finish that degree isn't high enough to overcome that because the end result, it's not, it's not a reality. You know what I mean? You don't have that tangible job yet. You're just doing it to check a box. You're not passionate about it. You're just doing it because I'm supposed to go to school. I also think there's, there's a risk when we come to the, you know, our, our, our mindfulness and our psychology in gosh, we see this in, in, in the veteran community with depression and suicides. It's, you know, how many times have, have, have we felt that, well, I did the thing. I went and got the degree. I got the certificate. I got the college and it's not working out the way I thought it worked out. And of course, well, we tend to internalize that as a failure. I'm no good and all that. And, you know, that's where I see the real risk is, is assuming that, well, I, I checked all the boxes and it didn't happen the way I kind of thought it, it would happen. And we're stuck in this, in this, in this mindset of failure. And, you know, that can go that way. That that's, that's how I felt. I was like, I wouldn't, I was a financial advisor. I wasn't liking it. I don't, I don't feel I was helping people. I didn't know what else to do. And I thought, I, I thought I was just a failure. I didn't know what my identity was. Um, you know, I was going downhill per se, but, you know, I actually went and spent time with a shaman in Mexico and uh, had my mind, uh, you know, medically rewired with plant medicines. And it was it was enlightening. I was just like, oh, none of that actually matters. You know, there was there was no rules or expectations I was supposed to have. I get to choose that now. And, you know, that was you know, huge for me. I'm not saying everybody should go do that, but, you know, should at least recognize that we don't have to put the blinders on and think I, I was this thing, therefore this is the only way and it's failure otherwise. That's, that's, that's too dangerous um, for our community right now. And it stifles creativity. Yeah. It stifles expansion. It's, it, you know, I think veterans have, and we, I've talked about this on the show a bunch of times. So for my listeners, I apologize if I'm a broken record, <laughs> but I think service is kind of ingrained in our veterans. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason you joined the military, and there are thousands of reasons to join the military, you did, and you served your country. And most of them, when they get out, have a yearning to still serve. They definitely desire a mission, but most people want to still serve. And that's what's awesome about what you were talking about with, you know, getting that foundation again and starting that brand. And then, hey, maybe you do a nonprofit. Maybe you put the money back into the community. Maybe you start helping people. 
you know, whether it's taking people to Mexico to try different plant substances and, you know, you'd be a <laughs> tour guide and do that, whatever it is. I think there's a desire by the veteran community to serve our country and creating that brand and creating that model for yourself allows you to kind of do that or at least have success doing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is a great way to kind of get there. Um, and I think some people are already kind of doing it, but they don't realize that it needs to be their focus. You know, I know myself, like I said, I have my Instagram, I got my Facebook, I made a website. Mm -hmm. Do I put my effort into that as much as I do making sure that my mixer is correct? Mm -hmm. Now, does anybody really care if my voice is a little staticky? Probably not. But I bet you I put a lot more time into that mixer than I do creating that identity to get my message out to more people. And that's a fault of my own, you know, and I think yeah. a lot of people fall into that. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it goes back to have you ever read the 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 E-Myth Revisited? No, I haven't. It's it's just one of those kind of entrepreneur books they recommend everybody read. And it's it talks about, you know, working in your business versus on your business. We we tend to focus on what we think the thing is, what we're good at. But the bottom line is. You know, if you ask somebody what business they're in and say, oh, I'm a plumber, I'm a this, it's like, nope, that's not your business. You're in sales and marketing. Because if you're not in the sales and marketing business, then unless you're just really good and get a tons of referrals, and that happens, <laughs> you know, then you're not going to be in business very long. We've got to learn these skill sets. And sales and marketing, unfortunately, those are, you know, can be you know bad buzzwords or whatever. It's just communication. We're communicating and persuading people every day. You're telling your kids, hey, eat your food. Well, I don't want to. Well, it's healthy for you. Well, I don't care about it. Well, here's why you should. Oh, okay, I'll eat it. I mean, that's persuasion. We just got to build these skill sets to help, you know, get whatever it is you want. And hopefully what you want is to be of service to others or animals or plants or or whatever. I mean, just do some good in the world. What else are we here for? If (laughs) if If we don't just say, listen, I'm here for some reason. And it ain't just to work, pay taxes, retire, and die. Well, then this is the skill sets you got to start building uh, to to go find what you want. You know, it's it's funny. I as we're talking about all this, I'm kind of going back to what I said to you earlier, which is if I would have told my father that doing this stuff that you're talking about would generate wealth and money and sustain you for life, he would tell me I'm crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But the more I think about it, it's exactly what he did that made him successful. He owned a business, a construction business, mm-hmm. 45 years. Now, there's a reason that he stayed in business for 45 years. Yeah. And it wasn't was because he was the best contractor. And granted, he was very talented. His work was awesome. But he built a brand that people recognized that was trustworthy. Mm-hmm. They knew that they could be allow my father to be in the house. And them not be there and they weren't going to come home and the place was going to be ransacked. You know, they knew that he was going to do the right job for them. He was always on the job as the owner of the business. He got involved in the local community and the high schools. They knew him. They saw him at the lacrosse games. He started a booster club, you know, for the sports that me and my brother were in. He was part of the civic association and he networked there. He, you know, was 
my mom was in the PTA and they advertised in the, in the flyers. And he basically did everything that you're talking about, but he did it before there was the internet. Right. So it was the more ground and pound version of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have to tell him exactly what we talked about today. <laughs> and he, I'm going to wait for him to say that I'm crazy. <laughs> and then I'm going to say that to him and say, no, but you did all this. That's why you were successful. Yeah. And then, you know, and a lot of times people think, okay, well, now I got to, you know, do the YouTube channel to, to or, or do the online marketing uh, to promote my business or whatever. And they're still thinking it in an advertising way. And then the real trick where you can kind of go next level with the personal branding is become a teacher and, you know, be, start the YouTube channel. where We're teaching people how to contract and, you know, you turn into it. Maybe you sell an education thing. Maybe you're just getting revenue from YouTube ads. People do that kind of stuff all the time. You, you said at the beginning, like teaching people how to cook pasta. It's like, you can cook the pasta and try to sell it, get people in your, in your audience, in your restaurant. Or just teach the internet pasta, you know, how to cook the pasta and, and make revenue from that. That's the kind of next level thing that when people start to recognize that, oh, I have knowledge and expertise in some capacity. I have this mass communication way, you know, never, never been easier to share that knowledge. You know, how do I learn those skill sets to turn it into income? And th- that's, that's the real trick. Just teach people what you know. And if you've got proof, hey, I had a successful business, here's why you should listen to me. Obviously, that helps. And probably you've got revenue to help fund, you know, growing that brand better. But it's not not required at all. Plenty of people who start from complete scratch and build over time. Without a doubt. And if you look at some of the more successful internet veterans, that's exactly what they're doing. They're, I mean, Tim Kennedy, who I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Just started doing a YouTube and Instagram cooking segment that now he does. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And it's mostly stuff that he hunts and stuff like that. So it's on brand for oh, him. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Obviously. But he is a prime example of this idea of creating that brand because he turned his MMA fighting, special forces, all that kind of stuff into sheepdog response, into his internet personality, where he has thousands of followers that his videos, his little speeches and stuff like that. Jocko, per, another one, prime example. Instagram shows him up at 4.30 every single morning to start his workout. That's part of his brand. That's part of what he's doing. That's why people follow him. They want to see that. And then he turns it into, hey, by the way, I also sell this. And mm-hmm. maybe you want to buy it. Or maybe you don't. But you're still probably following me on Instagram. And you're still probably watching my speeches and my stuff on YouTube. Um, but these guys are all they're just doing what you're talking about. Obviously, yes, they are very successful at it mm-hmm. um, on a grand scale, but it, they all started somewhere, you know, and I'm sure it wasn't with 100,000 followers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's, and it just depends on you know, how far do you want to take it? There's a lot of, you know, military spouse bloggers out there who aren't like super well known, but they're doing well. They're they're successful and, and they just have mm-hmm. their own little niche. So, Understanding, you know, to find that finding your niche, where do you fit in? Finding those whom you're meant to serve, and only those you're meant to serve. And and find, you know, when people come and they oh, they don't like you and they want to say bad things about you, say cool, just don't listen or don't pay attention. I'm just trying to find the ones that I do resonate with. I'm not trying to convince everybody uh, right. <laughs> to, to 
to do it this way or think my way is the right way. It's like, no, I'm just talking to the person. Really, I'm just talking to me. You know, the things I wish somebody would have told me about military life and post-military life, you know, as I was going, you know, through the latter stages of my military career about, you know, what are the opportunities? Of course, there wasn't a thing out there like that, uh, especially for our community. And and I went and looked for it for many years when I was struggling after, you know, after I realized I didn't like what I was doing after after the military and I couldn't find it. And then I realized, oh, well, actually, I kind of was doing it myself, figuring it out. I can I can tell people how to do this now. And and so that's where I realized, OK, I kind of feel it's my duty to share what I learned. It's like, don't we do that all the time? Oh, man, I read this great book. You should read it, too. You should check this out. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the same thing. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, like we were talking about earlier with the TSP, whether to pull it or not pull it and all this. There are guys that that's all they do. They have blogs that talk about the TSP. Mm-hmm. That is all they do. Pull this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Whether they're right, wrong, indifferent, doesn't matter. They built themselves entire, you know, brands and 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 businesses based on literally telling government employees what fund they should be in the TSP. Yeah. Not knowing anything about those their individual personal situations or being at risk of any sort of regulator. I find that fascinating. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I guys at work live and die by some of these guys. And 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 that's fine. I, I I'm not judging that in any way. But it's amazing how building a brand can can do that and how now they're Listen, they're making money. They're oh, yeah. out there making money. It's 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 crazy. There's, I mean, we talk about investing. It's like there's people who learn day trading and turn it into their job. You know, they take their resources. I mean, can that be risky? Yeah, if you're you're just you doing it kind of on the side. But if you take it seriously, learn the markets. It, they're they're basically just playing it like poker. Right. Okay. So and there's obviously lots of poker players who, well, you know, you know, people call it, maybe I call it gambling addiction or something, but actually some of these people have a system. They go, all right, if I make this much, I'll leave. If I lose this much, I'll leave. You know, it's, it's all just averages. If you, if you learn what the, what the numbers are, you can actually gamify it. Of and, but it takes tremendous discipline, of course. Yeah. And, and sticking to your plan. Right. That's where, you know, gamblers that get themselves in trouble, usually are the ones that, I, I'm going to only bet a thousand and all of a sudden they bet five. Right. <laughs> the, the disciplined gambler who said, I'm going to bet a thousand. I bet my thousand. I'm out. That guy's going to probably be okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Actually, I just watched a documentary on HBO about Craig Carton. Do, do you know about yeah. that? That guy? Yeah, from, the, yep. yeah. Oh, just fascinating story about, honestly, this is, this is a great story about, you know, branding business and the follies of, in this case, it was gambling. Yes. Um, but just, just very interesting story. To see, obviously, see how humble he he was afterwards. Assuming he's being honest, but you know, it's it's important to to follow people who have had success. Um, but you know, learn from them, learn from their mistakes as well. Especially the ones who have done some major failures. It's like, how can you, you know, you because it's hard to fathom. How can you get yourself so high up? We see this with all these you know, whether it's Weinstein or Cosby, like how do these people uh-huh. get so successful and put themselves in just do horrible things or put, or make this huge mistakes or whatever you want to call it. Um, it it's fascinating. You got to understand, you know, because of what if things actually do work out for you, what are you going to do? Like right. <laughs> make sure you're protecting yourself from, you know, going and, and you just ruining, ruining your life as well. I think that's, 
that's also important. That that's a part of the brand, you know. Hey, do you want to be a good person making money, or just want to be out there getting rich? Right, right. There's a huge difference, and I think that's where that service comes into play. Yeah, doing something good with that money for your community, I think, helps protect you because if you go in and your your idea is to serve, chances are you're probably going to be okay because you're probably going to do what the right thing is. If you're just going in, I'm going to make money. And I'm willing to do it any way possible. There's a good chance you might do the wrong thing because you're gonna, you're probably gonna pick money over uh, a moral decision more times than not if that's your end goal. Mm. Um, you know, money corrupts. It does. You know, just like power corrupts. You know, we see it every day. Um, you know, but but if you if you keep service in that mindset, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's my. My goal for myself and and for those whom I meant to serve is like, okay, it's we got to use this thing called money. Unfortunately, we're we're we got to play the game we're in. So and it is all about power. Well, if we don't like the powerful people now and the way they're dictating our lives, and that can be from politicians to media to business, you know, whatever it might be. The only way to defend yourself about that is to reclaim that power for yourself. And that, unfortunately, that, that, that takes enough money for you to either leave the system. So you go live in the, you know, leave the system where you're dictated by all that in a way, or you can make enough money where you can influence it. Right. And, and to have influence, if, if you want to be someone who's like, I don't like this, I want to change it. You know, that tends to be the way to do it. Otherwise you got to, you know, run for office and get a bunch of people to vote for you. And that just sounds like it never goes well. It's like, if you're going to do that, it seems like you always have to be a liar at some point. And that's just, yeah. Sad. Yeah. You know, everybody gets into it with the greatest of, uh, of, uh, you know, desire to do the right thing. And uh, after their first term, they're already taking, you know, bribes and this and that and lying about this or lying about that because the idea is to stay in power. Right. You know, it, it becomes less about, helping people and more about, well, I have to stay in power. And then you justify it to do whatever you have to do to stay in power. Yeah. Um, listen, Scott, I, I want to give you an opportunity to, to tell us where can we find you? Tell us, you know, when is the book going to be out? How can mm -hmm. we get it? Um, how can we get in contact with you if we do want to get more involved with your services and what you can provide everybody? No, absolutely. Um, so the book's coming out, you know, published, you know, officially on Amazon, um, self-publishing skill set anybody could do, uh, yes, on, sir. on November, November 11th, Veterans Day. I thought that was fitting, but actually I'm not trying to make money selling the book. I want to give it away for free. Anybody can get a copy of it via PDF, just going to veteranwealthsecrets.com. Um, so ha happy to do that. Please share it. We want to get it into many veterans hands as possible so we can find those right 10% of people it's, it's for. And um, otherwise, if you want to learn more about our services, particularly around, you know, how we solve the things uh, like protecting your military pension or what to do with your TSP, if you're not doing all the this, the trading and stuff, if you want to protect it, I've got some other books and, and, and webinars on my website at usvetwealth.com. There's a resources page where you can get all that. Tons of articles, our YouTube channel, uh, Veteran Wealth Secrets YouTube channel, going to have a new show coming out on there. And so, uh, and of course, if you want to talk to me directly, um, LinkedIn's the best way to hit me up. Scott R. Tucker on LinkedIn. That's awesome. I think I think people 
and and the fact that you're giving the, the book out for free, I think it shows that you just want the most amount of people to get this knowledge as possible. What what you do with that knowledge is on you. So for any listener out there, hey, you can't say, well, I wasn't going to spend $35 on that book. Forget about it. <laughs> the book's free. Go take a look at it. If If it's not for you, awesome. Keep doing what you're doing or find a different path. You're not part of this. That's fine. But if you are part of that 10% that maybe this is for you, the information's out there. You have no excuse. There's no excuse not to get the information and see if this is a good fit. No, absolutely. Um, well put, Jason. Yeah. Well, Scott, I really appreciate you coming on the show with uh, me today. I had a lot of fun talking to you. Um, yeah. Wow. Now I have to, I, ha- I have to tell my wife about that whole uh, uh, freshman year podcast thing. Cause now yeah. that's a little <laughs> bit of a different light to me now all of a sudden. <laughs> No, this, this was a fun conversation. I didn't realize how long we. I just looked at the time, so it's uh, good, good, um, good to good to chat with you and get to know you a little better. And I mean, this is the fun part. It's like one day we'll meet in person, right? And it's just like, oh, exactly. cool. We already had we already had almost a two hour conversation. Like exactly, that's amazing. no, no, and that's and that's the fun thing. Like I, I say it every time with anybody that I have on as a guest. You know, I can't wait for all this stuff to be over so that people can do meetups and you know have people like yourself. Maybe if I do an event, Hey, if you're up in New York, come in, speak to these people, whatever the case may be. Right. And then, like you said, now you have this network of people that we can kind of tap to, to help, uh, you know, everybody around us. So, um, again, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, what you're doing, it, it, it sounds like you have the best of intentions just to help the veteran community. And I will always support that. Um, so please, if there's anything that we can do on this end, let us know. I mean, we'll, we'll get the message out as much as we possibly can. Awesome, man. So, I appreciate yeah. it. All right. I hope you have a great rest of the day. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to reading that book when it comes out. All right. Take care. Thank you, sir. Well, thanks again to Scott for... Uh, just spending almost two hours with us to just talk all things branding and how to use your money and just a better mindset really on what to do financially to prepare yourself for the future, especially our kind of new future with, you know, the the challenges that we see with COVID and, you know, uh, businesses that are not doing well or collapsing and things like that. And how do you now, how do you set yourself up or set yourself apart so that you can succeed and do the things that you really want to do? So it's not so much just getting that money, but now what do you want to do? What's your goal? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? All these things are possible if you set yourself up properly to do it. And I think that's what Scott's trying to help veterans do. Um, So please head over to his website, take a look at the literature that he's got over there. I mean, he's offering to give the book out for free. So it's, it's not even like you have to do anything. Get that book, read it, see if it's something for you. It might not be. Listen, again, like he said, 10% would be where he feels that people would be who should be doing his program and who shouldn't. So there's 90% of us out there that this, this is not for us. But for the 10% that could benefit from it, please don't let that opportunity pass you by. Um, you know, another great week, another great show. And, uh, you know, I'm just really 
really happy with the the quality of the guests that we keep getting on and the information that they're just giving out. I think uh, every episode that comes by is just uh, you know better than the next. Uh, I I really feel that way. So uh, you know for the people helping us get these guests. Um, you know, I can't thank you enough if you're doing an introduction or you're you're uh, making sure that these names get to me or if my name gets to them, uh, you know, you're the ones making all this happen. So, uh, again, I, I really do appreciate that. Um, we'll be back next week with another great interview. But in the meantime, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Bulletproof Veteran. Make sure you go over to the Facebook page. Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. Give us a like there. Uh, interact a little bit. Shoot me a message. All that kind of stuff. I'm always. I will always respond. So please, if you reach out to me, you will get a response. Uh, make sure you head over to YouTube and subscribe. Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. Check out the website. Bulletproofveteran.com. Got more and more stuff coming out. It'll all be there, and there'll be if we do something that's not there, there'll be a link to it. So please, that's a great hub for anything show related. And there's even a player embedded so that you can listen to past episodes if you haven't. Um, please leave reviews on your podcast provider. Uh, that really helps us climb up the charts and get those quality guests. So I'll say that again, like I said at the top of the show. Um, Everybody, remember to vote tomorrow. Be safe out there. Do the right thing, okay? And look after your families and look after your neighbors, okay? For Bulletproof Veteran Podcast, my name is Jason, and thank you for your service.